Hey guys, welcome to Lords of Order, a DC Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and this is a spoiler podcast of the story that came out in 1942 that I'm getting ready to talk about. This is episode 49 of the show, and if you'd like to leave feedback about this or the previous 58 episodes, you can send email to the Dr. Fate fan podcast at gmail.com. Comments are welcome at BigTimeNoise.com slash DrFate, the website, of course. Lords of Order has Google Plus and Facebook pages. And should you decide to twit, at Teal Productions is the Twitter handle. All-Star Comics issue 9, the first volume, 1940 volume, cover dated February, March 1942. Now, as all so far, the Star All Star Comics have been. You have an. Uh, th- first of all, they they deal with the adventures of the Justice Society of America. My interest, uh, of course, is the Doctor Fate portion. So I talk about the opening sequence and the closing sequence, which are bookends that pull everybody together. And then in between, the heroes typically go out on their own adventures, and I point out Doctor Fate's adventure, not the others. Um, Should you choose to read the entire thing or are interested in one of the other heroes' adventures, this story has been reprinted in All-Star Comics Archives, Volume 2, dated 1993. And all of this initial run of All-Star Comics has been archived in the All-Star Comics Archives DC put out. So, depending on what issue you're looking for, uh, there's, it, it certainly has been reprinted up until, I believe, the late 50s uh, issue numbers, I think, is where they stop this volume and then they pick up this same volume about 35 to 40 years later, and they continue the name and the numbering for another, uh, I don't know, year and a half or two years, and then they close this volume out. So I know all of this initial portion of the volume is in All-Star Comics Archives. I haven't looked for the later issues. I will whenever I get to discuss those, just so I can give you a heads up of where to find the story. So the opening and closing bookend sequences were written by Gardner Fox, penciled and inked by Everett Hibbard. The story, Hemisphere Defense. So Hemisphere Defense um, prologue and what do they call the last final one? Summary, I'm not sure what I would call it. And then Hemisphere Defense, Chapter 1, Certain Character, Chapter 2, Certain Character. That's the way the story is is broken up. Now, in this one, though, uh, we have this little text piece here in the beginning that always opens the shows. And so, let's see here. i got to get in the the headspace. Hemisphere Defense is the keynote of this special meeting of the Justice Society of America. Culled from their ever-alert battles against the criminal and the lawless, the members of the Justice Society rally together for a patriotic meeting called by the Hawkman, presiding chairman. The defenders of law and justice in their different localities are once more called upon to fight beneath the stars and stripes, unofficially, of course, ever since their great feat of ridding the United States of foreign spies and agents the FBI chief in Washington has had his eye on them. Now, once again, he has summoned their aid. And our roll call, 
Hawkman, who is the current chairman, Spectre, Dr. Fate, Johnny Thunder, Adam, Sandman, Dr. Midnight, and Starman, and then the honorary members uh, who are not in attendance, Superman, Batman, Flash, and Green Lantern. Now, recently, as of the issue prior to this of All-Star Comics, we have the introduction of Sensation Comics, the second issue of which is advertised in this issue of All-Star Comics. Sensation Comics is important for those of you that do not know as the birthplace of Wonder Woman. So now it is only a matter of time until Wonder Woman joins the Justice Society of America as the secretary. Yes, when she comes on, that is her position. She is made the secretary. Uh, Okay. Yeah, uh, my wife is sitting over here doing the gag. Uh, If this were a video show, you could see that. But uh, that's, yeah. Well, that's that's where Woman Woman starts. And uh, her creator, Marsden, had uh, an interesting philosophy in male-female relationships to begin with. So Wonder Woman being a secretary would have been very light on his list from what I understand. Um, okay. The Spectre... Spectre, yes. The Dr. Fate portion of the story, when I get to it, was scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled, inked, and colored by Howard Sherman. All right, everybody's gathering together. Word has gotten out that the FBI wants to meet them. The head of the FBI, who would be... Um, yeah. Or Edgar... J. Edgar Hoover? J. Herbert Hoover was a president, right? Yeah, okay. J. J. Edgar Hoover is who I uh, presume it to be in 1942 uh, is when this book came out. So I would assume that was when Hoover was there. So he comes and addresses them in, uh, let's see, uh, seven, nine, eleven panels. Like three whole pages is just a bunch of talking heads, predominantly overwhelmingly the FBI dude. I mean, he has more words than, like, all the other characters put together. So he's relaying the mission and all this. And basically what this is, is it's a, uh, it smacks of World War II propaganda with some of the names changed to protect the innocent kind of thing. You know, they, so... So they send all our heroes, two, four, six, eight of them, on various missions. The mission involves knocking out the fifth fifth column. Um, sorry. What did they call this up here? In issue four of All-Star Comics, they fought them. Yeah, the fifth column. Uh, the defeated in North America. However, now they have footholds in the rest of the Americas. Central, presumably, and South. Let me look at my list here real quick. There is no representation in... Well, no, Central. Oh, yeah, there's a couple in Central America. Yeah, so they're cleaning out fifth columnist nests in Central and South America. Each hero will be given his own country. And as such, Hawkman goes to Mexico, the Spectre to Argentina, Adam to Chile, Sandman to Venezuela, Johnny Thunder to Cuba, Starman to Bolivia, Dr. Midnight to Colombia, and Dr. Fate, as we will get to as soon as I flip to it here, went to, 
I believe Brazil. Yes, the Republic of Brazil. So, as Dr. Fate enters the airspace of Brazil, the narrator tells us, I hope you don't mind my narrator voice. I kind of like doing that. So, The Republic of Brazil, larger in area than the United States, great green jungles and mighty rivers, excuse me, river waterways, vie with modern airliners, great cities and street cafes a la, what do we say that word? Parisienne for the interest of travelers. Cafes a la Parisienne, that kind of doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Gifted with rich coffee and fine Brazilian rubber, supplies, Brazil supplies these to the rest of the world. Now, this story specifically, so that's our setting, okay, right? And, and here specifically, high over Rio de Janeiro, mighty capital of Brazil, which is surrounded by mountains and faces Guanabara Bay, hovers a strange floating fortress. And it's kind of reminiscent of like an early take on a shield helicarrier. That's kind of what it put me in mind of. I, I mean, it's it's different, uh, but that's about the only structure that really comes to mind that is similar. I'm sorry for those of you that are like DC fanatics that I just referenced Marvel. Uh, get over it. I read all kinds of comic books, and they all run together, so, you know, whatever. Inside, we, we start off inside the floating fortress, where the... Um, yeah, this is the leader, who is referred to simply as Herr General. Notice the German and the English mixing there? Yeah. Uh, And it starts with the gentleman that's speaking to him. His first word is, ja. My work is done, and I, I would do it in a German accent, but I don't have a good one, so I'll definitely spare you guys that. I have completed tests on the floating fort of mine. She will revolutionize all war. With enough of these, the Vaterland, V-A-T-E-R-L-A-N-D, Vaterland, will have a floating Siegfried line able to conquer the world. Now, somehow, Vaterland doesn't sound right. Fatherland, I understand that's how Germany is referred to, but it's my understanding in German, a W is pronounced V. So it wouldn't be Waterland that they're pronouncing Waterland. So I, it's this what chicken German or something like that. This this they they do a really bad job of portraying the German accents in this book. I've seen much better. Um, actually, if I may, um, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos over at Marvel. Whenever they do Germans, they do pretty good German accents in English over there. So my wife here is looking up Waterland. What is it referred to? Meaning definition or synonym. Uh, just try the first one there in Wiktionary. See what it tells us. Fatherland, homeland, land from which one is. Hmm, so it is an actual word. I, I just have not been exposed to that before. So there we go. Uh, meaning fatherland. So uh, So there there we go. There's, there's what they're wanting to do. Um, the, the soldier... Or the the leader. This is the leader. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Herr General. He continues. We must prepare the way into Brazil. To do that, we must capture Senor de Cordoban, B A N, not Cordoba, B A H, or just A, but Cordoban or Cordoban, like you know, without Corinthian leather. For those of you that get that, do you, de plane, de plane. Do you get? Okay, never mind. Um, 
I have already given orders to our agents to do away with his wife so that if someone disguised as Cordoban should step into his shoes, no one would be the wiser. So there is what they're wanting to do. They're wanting to replace the leader of Brazil with a German agent in order to prepare Brazil for invasion by Germany. So they have to do something with the original president, whether it's kidnap or kill or whatever they do, but they also must kill his wife so that she doesn't give away the plan because she surely would recognize the difference between uh, her husband and a substitute. My wife is shaking her head as to, yes, a wife would be able to tell, I'm assuming is what she's saying. So even out of bed, she should be able to tell the difference. Much less, I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine that you could pull that off all the way through bedtime. That's, yeah. All right, now, we're on a modern airliner where Kent Nelson senses trouble brewing, and a gentleman who works the airliner is offering a woman a glass of water. Nelson sees that he slips something into the water before he gives it to her, the um, airliner dude. Kent Nelson, now now this is, I, I thought this was interesting, with the rapidity, I like that word, of thought, Kent Nelson slips into an empty stateroom and dons his Dr. Fate costume. Now, they're on a modern airliner. Airliners today, which are arguably more modern than what they were in 1942, do not contain staterooms. So somehow, in our modernity, we have lost some amenities, apparently. So, But Dr. Fate pops out, says, Woman... Don't drink that. And to save her, he grabs it out of her hand and he drinks it. Because he's apparently impervious inside as well as outside. It doesn't poison him. Now, we do know from his appearances in his solo stories in more fun comics that his lungs are human. They, they are his weakness. Apparently, his stomach is not. So, we, we can't assume that all of his organs are a weak spot because we now know that his stomach is not and we do already know that his lungs are so left is like you know i don't know kidneys and uh liver and maybe intestines you know can, can although no if he can eat something he drank this water and it doesn't hurt then the intestines and everything on through must be okay well and and the kidneys must be okay uh, my wife is pointing out because he drank a liquid and if he can filter out the poison and it not hurt him, then his kidneys. But So that only leaves the liver. We need to see Dr. Fate try to get drunk. And if he can't get drunk like Wolverine, again, Marvel Comics, sorry, uh, he just drinks and drinks and drinks, then we know that his liver is impervious too. Dr. Fate trivia, there you go. The uh, Dr. Fate grabs the guy, decides that he is going to leave the plane with this gentleman. Now, this is something we haven't seen before. Dr. Fate phases himself through the plane, which we have seen him do, but he does it with someone in tow. So not only can he alter the space between the atoms of his own body and phase it through matter, apparently he can do that with other objects that he is in physical contact with also. Otherwise, he would have left a bloody mess behind, right? So so now he's outside with the guy, and he, he drops him from modern airliner height over Brazil, whatever height that would be. When you're ready to tell me why you tried to kill that woman, I'll save you, he says. And he just lets him go. 
and the guy falls screaming, save me, save me, I'll tell. So the Dr. Fate does, does grab him, and he tells him, um, I acted under orders. The woman was Senora Cordo- uh, Cordoban. Her husband is very anti-Nazi, but we also know he is the president of Brazil, because I told you that. He was kidnapped. Uh, he was kidnapped. She has to be killed so as not to be able to identify the false man who is taking his place in disguise. So that was the Brazilian president's wife on the modern airliner. You would think being the president, they would have like their own airplanes to protect their family from this kind of thing so that they could transport them wherever. Uh, apparently not. Brazil, the, the rulers uh, must not must not be that rich. You know, they don't have their like Brasilia Force One or, you know, whatever to fly the president and, and, and his people. So uh, Dr. Fate leaves the guy on top of some peak, uh, some Brazilian mountains. He leaves him and flies off to find her because having been rescued once, she's okay. But the situation that put her in jeopardy still remains. So he assumes that she could very well find herself in jeopardy again. So he goes looking for her. We cut to her where she is at the ancestral home and she has been captured by a gentleman going by the name of Herr Kornman. Uh, uh, K-O-R-N-M-A-N. Kornman. Kornman. So uh, he's holding her at gunpoint, telling her, you know, why. This is, and, and this is, you know, of course, very standard. The characters become the narrator. And because you can't see the pictures and remember from previous things what is going on, they always tell you what's going on. The characters themselves, you know how the bad guy, like, will tell you his plan, uh, tell the, the good guy the plan before he kills him. Right, so that we know, even though we've been reading the book all along, we we knew the plan even before the bad guy says it. Usually, so but so that's what he's doing here, and he's telling her basically what is happening is the writer is giving Doctor Fate time to get there. So Doctor Fate busts in, and just as the dude in uh, a la Superman, uh, the the bad guy shoots the gun, but Dr. Fate is fast enough that he gets in between her and the bullet, and the bullet hits him somewhere. It's not like just the hand thing like Superman does. Actually, that's cooler, better hand-eye coordination. Uh, Dr. Fate has to use his whole body, so he he throws his whole body there. He's not hurt by gunfire, which is pretty standard for what we've seen also in his um, solo stories there in, in more fun comics. Knocks the guy out, grabs her up, and decides, you know, you're going to be safer somewhere else. So now he flies away with her. Uh, this is getting to be a Dr. Fate thing, that he just flies away with people. But he takes her away, and he's going to put her somewhere safe. And he tells her as he's flying away, a couple things happen. in the. It's the last panel on this page. Um, as he's flying with her, and as he's flying, it looks like he's running in air, only way high. He says, I'll take you deep into the jungle. There, you will be safe. What? Okay. Uh, But he also says, hello, look at that thing floating high in the air. Wonder what it is. And so we see his run-in with the Flying Fortress for the first time. Now, he doesn't address it immediately, okay, because he is still tracking down this President of Brazil replacement angle thing. But first, he's going to leave the President of Brazil's wife 
in the middle of the jungle, uh, he says it's safe. And in the next panel, he leaves her, and as he's setting things up, he tells her, you will be safe here. These jungles are almost unexplored. Well, then how... I will return for you shortly when I can save your husband and bring him to you. Keep him flying, he says. <laughs> I was like, what? And she says, you you are too good for stranding you in the middle of a jungle that nobody has explored. So, uh, by extension, if nobody explores it, has, has explored it, doesn't that mean that he also doesn't know what's there? But yet he's leaving this defenseless person there saying, oh, well, you'll be safe here. What did he do? Like put the whammy on all the animals to leave her alone? I'm surprised he didn't drag Inza down here to watch over her while while they're here. So he jets back off looking for uh, Herr Corman because he just knocked him out and then just left with her to get her out of harm's way. So he goes uh, looking for Herr Cornman, but uh, let's see, he goes back to the presidential house, palace there, and finds Corman there, who has summoned, or for whatever reason, has reinforcements. So Dr. Fate takes them all on, uh, still with the pretty poor, snappy banter. I, I will say it, it, it's a grade above what was in the most recent couple issues of More Fun Comics, but not, you know, that that's not saying a whole, whole lot, but it is better. So we get um, and so, some examples. Uh, let's see. I'll try to make this short and snappy, as the boy said when he cut the rubber band in half. People really, I, I guess people really talk like this back then. Here's a flying young man without his trapeze, as he punches one dude and sends him flying through the air. That's something else I've noticed. Uh, the golden age. These things that the heroes did to the to the normal people, you know, kicking them and punching them and stuff like that. Why would they not be, like, breaking into pieces from the forces of those punches and kicks? Throw them against the wall. They, they, they would be a bag of cement, you know. They, they would look like a watermelon that you threw up against the wall. But they just get knocked around like a normal person did that and, you know, get up and get away and whatever. Not like Superman did it or Dr. Fate did it or the Spectre. So I've always wondered, nowadays... Are normal people like not as hardy as they were back in the forties? Because you know, in modern comics, we see Superman blow on somebody and he he blows them to pieces, or, or you know, I mean, they suffer grave injuries. Okay, so he's uh, knocking. He knocked out all the goons that were here with Cornman, and um, now is is talking to him one to one. He says, "I've got five knuckles just itching to let." you to let you try your teeth on them now talk where have you hidden cordoban cordoban and he tells him actually he doesn't say actually but he tells him that he is hidden in a fort up in the sky strauss fort so i guess the general who's in charge must be general strauss we'll we'll find that out shortly but so uh intersection of the of the two kind of plot lines in the in the story here He's looking for the president of Brazil and curious about this flying fort. And it turns out the president of Brazil is now held on the flying fort. That's that's convenient. So he goes back out to where he had seen the fort and goes back. And on approach, 
he is shot at by uh, anti-aircraft guns. When he is hit five direct times and still lives, they quit shooting at him, Dr. Fate. So Dr. Fate gains entry through the main windshield of the flying fort. He just flies through it feet first. Some fisticuffs there on the men that are inside the fort itself. More um, gutter German. Something that I noticed that comes up quite consistently, and I meant to look up and, and didn't. They say Himmel, H-I-M-M-E-L. I thought that was German for heaven. But they don't say Gott in Himmel. They just say Himmel. So, like in this particular uh, word balloon, it would be heaven, that man, although they say dot, D-O-T, that man is unkillable. Heaven, that man is un- So it's just interesting that they would say heaven. Um, I-, I am familiar with God in heaven. Gott in Himmel, I believe, is usually how I see that. So... Um, on down here, the one German gentleman is calling for help, and he's using the word K-A-M-E-R-A-D. Comrade? Comrade? You know, I, I don't know. Comrade, I, I know that word, but so. And when I was in college, I took two semesters of German, um, and it, it could be that we didn't get deeply enough in two semesters in German for me to have run across some of these things, but they seem kind of put on it's it's just a uh, it's just enough to make you realize that they're trying to do german but it's not really anything beyond that in in this writing i don't know who was responsible for the uh for the the prose the text coming up i assume it would be the writer who is gardner fox it, it could be whoever did the letters, but I don't think so at this point. I think the writer typically came up with the um, conversation. So it's not very good. His direction to, you know, what to write has is, is not been good for this German. So Dr. Fate finally makes his way to General Krauss. We find out. That's his name. And he is holding Senor. Cordoban at gunpoint. Doctor Fate gives himself up, as is requested. Or you know, or I'll shoot. You give yourself up, or I'll shoot the this guy. And Doctor Fate gives himself up, and so they pay less attention to the Brazilian president, Cordoban, and focus on Doctor Fate. He gets their attention. He draws them in, grabs a couple of them up. The the two guys, of course, that have come from either side to restrain him, and grabs them up, throws them at the general knocks all three of them down. Forces the fortress to land somewhere. Then the narrator tells us the Brazilian police, under Senor Cordoban's efficient orders, take over with dispatch. So they round up all the Nazis and everybody. He is rescued, the president. Dr. Fate, um, narrator goes on here in the final panel, tells us deep in the vast jungles, husband and wife are reunited. So, Dr. Fate did not go and get her and bring her to the general. No. After all this is said and done at the airfield, wherever they managed to land the fortress, he got the general and flew the general out to the middle of the jungle somewhere to find his wife, is how he reunited them. 
she is happy to see him. Dr. Fate, in the panel here, is all three. She's happy to see her husband. Dr. Fate says, I'd better rescue the other Nazi that I left stranded out here and turn him over to the police. I don't know who that would be unless it's the German he left on the top of the mountain. But that's not in the middle of the jungle. That's on the. Uh, conceivably, they could be two different, way, way two different places. But um, the police, uh, then to meet the rest of the Justice Society members, these two loyal Brazilians don't want me around anymore. So the way he said, he left them, right? He left them to find this other German. Um, and then go to, it turns out that they're going to Panama to meet the, that's where all the members of the Justice Society have agreed to meet back uh, for the end bookend of the story after their individual missions. So that's where fate is going. Leaving the Brazilian president and his wife in the middle of the jungle in Brazil somewhere. I would assume in the Amazon region, because that's like, you know, some of the deepest, darpest, darpest? DARPA. No, we're not talking about DARPA. I don't need those people on me. Um, darkest jungles of, of Brazil, which would be unexplored, right? Because he said unexplored. So you can assume, I think the Brazilian capital is relatively near the Amazonian region. So in the middle of the Amazon somewhere, Dr. Fate leaves, as if that's helpful, the president of Brazil and his wife. They're safe from other humans, I will say that, but... That's that's probably about it. All right, so we go on to the end of the story here, the closing book end, if you will allow me a mo to get to it. All right. We're here. Uh, as I said, the Panama Canal. Everyone is coming back, saying that their missions were successful, saying where they were. A, a, a few of them. Everybody doesn't, but a few do. And then... Someone uh, pops up here that turns out that he was, let me get his name, Bradley Zania. Now, he was introduced in Johnny Thunder's part of the story. Uh, Johnny Thunder went to Cuba, I believe? Yes. So he was the person, the the Nazi um, agent that Johnny Thunder was responsible for checking into. Turns out that he has now come, he, he followed Johnny back, in essence. Turns out he was a plant. He wasn't really a, a Nazi agent. He was a an American agent or a freedom agent, whatever, who was working his way into the Nazi infiltration of Cuba. Well, he comes following Johnny Thunderback, bringing with him a young lady that Johnny Thunder met in his adventures saying that he is accompanying her because she is coming to Johnny Thunder to get married as they had arranged. All news to Johnny Thunder. He doesn't remember any of that. Also, there is a surprise waiting for them here. The girlfriends, um, I think Girlfriends, I don't think any of the Justice Society are married, uh, have been brought to Panama so that everybody can celebrate together. And we have five of them here, and they look very, very similar if you if you look at their faces. The hair's different. Uh, some of them, well, actually, there's only two. There's brown and blonde, apparently. That's, that's all they could color. Uh, and the outfits are different. But uh, Inza is here. 
who is uh, Dr. Fate Kent Nelson's, of course, uh, female companion. Shira, who is Carter Hall's, Hawkman's female companion. Uh, Johnny Thunder's girlfriend is here, and the name comes on the next page, because I don't see her name. So while they're all, you know, oh, glad to see you're here, all this kind of stuff, they hear music, singing, and at the same time, Johnny Thunder's girlfriend has had a chance to look around the room and realizes Johnny isn't here. So Hawkman, stepping up as chairman, says, well, it's good to see everybody here, but we cannot begin any celebrations until we find out what is going on with Johnny Thunder. So they they trace back this music that they hear, and the music somebody recognizes as the wedding march. Okay, now now let's let's put this together. Uh, it looks like it is Sandman that recognizes it as the wedding march. Okay, Sandman is a is an American hero. They're in Panama, right? Johnny Thunder is being pursued by a man and a woman from Cuba. But yet the wedding march is the wedding march that we're familiar with. I thought that was kind of curious. And this is where we see the agent from Cuba has brought the woman to marry Johnny Thunder as she said they had arranged. Johnny Thunder's real girlfriend is there. She gets upset. Johnny Thunder doesn't know what in the world's going on. The man says, oh, ha, 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 just joking. I needed an excuse to come up here because actually I'm a good agent who is trying to infiltrate this bad place. So he he explains all that. And the story ends uh, on a humor note. Johnny Thunder's story probably had humor in it. There's usually humor attached to Johnny Thunder. Seldom do any of the other stories, and the two bookends really didn't have any pieces of humor in it either. So this, they, they had to have something humorous. Well, other than the, the little quips and things the heroes will do. Johnny is outside, kind of apologizing to his girlfriend. Her name is Daisy, by the way, I see now. Uh, and he's telling her, I wish I had you all to myself way up on the moon. Now, um, the next panel I, I have to kind of explain. Johnny ran into some problems in Cuba because the original parameters of the mission was that everyone was supposed to speak Spanish because they're in Central and South America. Yeah, go figure. Um, even Dr. Fate, who was in Brazil, and I believe their language is Portuguese. Um Except Johnny. Johnny was supposed to speak English because Cuba has more English, I guess, than it does Spanish. I I don't know. But for some reason, the Thunderbolt would only recognize Johnny's commands in Spanish. So when Johnny got to Cuba, he had difficulty commanding his Thunderbolt because Johnny didn't speak Spanish. He spoke English. Now that they're out of Cuba, apparently whatever snafu that was has been fixed. So he starts the saying, uh, he, he starts referring to Daisy here. He says, say, you know what, Daisy, and say and you are highlighted. Because that is the pronunciation of his magical word to activate his thunderbolt. And then after that is the command that the thunderbolt is supposed to carry out. Usually it's spelled C-E-I-U, I believe, pronounced say you. So he started this phrase that way. He said what he said. And in the final panel, no sooner said than done, she is saying, if this is another of your little jokes, Johnny Thunder, I don't like it. As they're talking from 
the the end of one of the gibbous moons that you see in cartoons almost you know somebody is almost always hanging from the end well there we we see from earth we're looking at the moon and we see the voy- the text bubbles coming from the the real end point there and johnny says it's a plot that's what it is it's fifth columnist work just because I'm a famous Justice League member, or Justice Society member. Help, help! And down here is the Thunderbolt. It says, well, you ask for it, holding up a sign that says the end. So the end of the story. Um, something, let's see, I wanted to point out here that I thought was cool. There's a text piece in the book talking about the other books that are available and the frequency of availability, and now I'm not going to be able to find it as I'm trying to do this quickly and not hold you hostage. Yeah, I couldn't find it, but uh, in these issues of All-Star Comics, there's a list of all the books DC is putting out, and they have uh, a long list that is monthly, then there's three that are bi-monthly, there's like three that are quarterly, and then there's one that is every six months, and that is the entire, at this point, um, production that DC has uh, as of what would it be here 1942 also something of note is that um, after each of the individual heroes uh, adventures there's a little blurb at the bottom of the page that tells you uh, more adventures of and they name the character can be found in and they name the book that that particular character their solo stories reside in adventure comics action comics world's finest um, leading comics, more fun comics, etc., etc., etc. So, alrighty, um, I think that is everything that I wanted to touch on. That's a longish episode this time out. Sorry about that, guys. These these all star stories just have more meat in them, you know, really than the Doctor Fate's individual adventures. So, uh, next time up looks like is Doctor Fate, the current volume, issue seven. So we'll find out more about the uh, adventures of the current young teen med student Dr. Fate wannabe who doesn't want to be Dr. Fate fighting the Egyptian gods takeover of the world. Weehaw. See you guys then. Lords of Order is a teal production and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license. 